It's time for another edition of the Sports Chumps on 88.1 FM, W-E-L-H. Ortiz fights it off center field. Damon running to the plate, and he can keep on running to New York. Look, if you had one shot, one opportunity... Seize everything you ever wanted One moment Did you capture it? Just let it slip Yo, yo Now that's a sale by Bird Trump's episode 30 right here on 88.1 FM WELH Providence. My name is Mikey Nails. My broadcast partner is Dean the Dream. Dean the Dream, how are things going this week? Not bad, Michael. 30 in the books. This is number three. Oh, it's, it's another milestone for you and I and the Chumps family. I love it. It's an epic day for the sports Chumps. 30 deep, 30 in. Pretty soon we'll be at Larry Legend's number. That's a good number. Your boy, 33. So yeah. listen, the brand keeps building. It's the second episode of 2022. We've got a lot going on. We've got, we're going to put, a, obviously we're going to put week 18 to rest in the NFL. We're going to look ahead to the playoffs. We've got baseball a little bit, um, a big retirement in, 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 uh, in MLB today. Uh, a real legend in my eyes. And um, of course, you know, you've got the Bruins and the Celtics. Of course, jump of the week in this day in history. We've got it all on tap here for the sports jumps. Uh, just for our listeners out there, tonight's episode is a Zoom episode. We had some trials and tribulations we have to get through. Uh, unfortunately, we will be back on with a good sounding audio next week. But this week, it is a Zoom episode. So please bear with us. I think we're doing fine, Nails. All right. Sounds good. That's all I wanted to hear. I want to hear some confidence from my confidant. Yeah, you look good via Zoom. Yeah, thanks, buddy. I tried. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm excited. I'm excited about a new year. You know, hopefully everybody can get through this all this COVID BS and just stay healthy and just do our thing here because it's, you know, the show goes on. We got to keep banging, banging out shows and podcasts and keeping everybody on, of course, W-E-L-H, we got to keep everybody happy here, so we got to keep rolling. All right, let's start. NFL, we're heading into the wild card playoffs. We're heading into the playoffs. So we're heading to the big dance, the big show. Who's bringing home the ring? Who's going to be upset? What are going to be the upsets? Let's start with the Patriots. They end on a very sour note this season, losing to the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins are not going to the playoffs, Dean, but, you know, they went into the offseason with their heads held high with the victory over the New England Patriots, 33-24. to 24. Just a quick tidbit on the, on the Miami Dolphins. They started the season 1-7. and seven. They ended the season by winning eight of their last nine games. 
again, Michael, if you go back to last week's podcast, like it's, we talked about this, and I and I told you what happens is in that situation though is when you start out one and seven, especially in a league like the NFL, when you're only playing usually 16 games, now it's 17. It's difficult to to have a losing streak like that of that magnitude of seven games and still try to save your season and make the playoffs. What happens is even if you go on a run, you're gonna you're gonna fizzle out down the stretch and you're gonna run out of out of gas. Now, obviously. They salvaged their season by beating New England on the last day of the season, which seems to always happen every time Belichick and his team goes down there late in the season, or it just doesn't seem to end well for the Patriots. But Miami gets a big win. He had to finish nine and eight, but of course still come up a little bit short. It seems like that Patriot Dolphins matchup on the last week of the season is their Super Bowl every year. And it's it's frustrating as a Patriot fan because it seems like they, the Patriots just can't win down there when, when it really matters. It just doesn't doesn't happen. No, they can't put it together. It, it seems like that, like you said, every time they head down to Miami, they can't put it together. They can't come up with that win. And going into the wild card playoffs, it's almost like they lost a little bit of a step with this with with, with this horrible loss. I mean, it, to me, Mac Jones started out the season as the dominant rookie coming in, and he's ending the season as just just a a a moderate, regular NFL rookie quarterback. Yeah, and, and a lot of people might want to make it a climate thing, a weather thing, and it's like obviously they lost in Miami where it's in the 80s on the final day of the season. They lost at home in the cold. They won down in Buffalo. They lost to the Colts in the Dome. So they played in all types of different situations the last four weeks, and they lost three of those four games, the only win being against the, the lowly Jacksonville Jaguars. So I agree with you. You saw Mac Jones go from having a great rookie season to just looking the last four weeks like just another guy. But at the end of the day, Michael, you're still looking at a team that won 10 games and made the playoffs for the first time since Brady left. And you have to be trying to take something good out of something bad. That seven game winning streak in the middle of the season obviously was enough to get them into postseason. So there's still hope. Yeah, it got them over the hump. The problem with uh, the spoiled New England Patriot fans is they're used to seeing right back to Tom Brady. They're used to seeing the wins and the easy playoff games and all that. But unfortunately this year, to me, my opinion is it's one and done. Then they have to decide where they're going to go with Mac Jones. And if they're going to come in, they definitely need some more, some more people for him to be, to put points, points up on the board. They just can't keep doing what they're doing with what they have. Well, what we saw the last four weeks, Mike Lynn, probably most of the season, this team is built around a rookie quarterback and, and a rebuilt defense that, that was pretty good most of the season until they gave up about 1,000 yards rushing the last four or five weeks. So that was very disappointing to see the line and Lawrence Guy and those guys on the front not get the job done. And even Matthew Judon looks like he's slowed down at the end of the season. Maybe he's dealing with some injuries. But right now, you look at this team, the way it's configured, the Patriots are built to play with a lead. And it looks like these last four weeks outside of the Jacksonville game, they spotted the Colts a 20 to nothing deficit with the special teams, which was awful all season. We'll talk about that. You look at the game against Miami, they're down 14 donut after this, after the pick six. They can't win when they're down one more multiple scores. It looks like Matt just isn't that guy that can bring you back. They need to play with the lead, have ball control with their running game, then let Matt make a play here and there, and then hope that your defense can take it home and you win games like that. They're not going to win games when they're down 14 nothing in the first quarter. They've shown it the last month. They can't do it. No, it's not, it's not possible. Side note for the Miami Dolphins, 
Jalen Waddell set an NFL record for receptions by a rookie in his rookie year. It's pretty big. It's pretty large. Nails, he's a very impressive rookie. I know he got hurt last year in Alabama, came back to play in the national championship game on one leg. The kid's a special player. And, of course, he was Tua Tungavailoa's teammate at Alabama two seasons ago, so they have history together. My question is, despite what I saw on Sunday, Tungavailoa is not the answer for Miami. I think they're going to still look at, at – at Deshaun Watson via trade from the Texans in the offseason. I don't think he's the answer. You saw you saw a game where Miami controlled it defensively. They ran the ball. He threw five passes in the second half. He's not the reason why they won that game. It no. was the Patriots playing, it was the Patriots playing poor defense. And, and even on offense, Mac Jones couldn't get the job done. I don't give much credit to their quarterback. And if you don't have a quarterback, then you're still searching for answers. And that's why you saw a lot of juxtaposition. You saw uh, Brian Flores, we're going to talk about later, get the door the next day after, after winning eight, as you said, the aforementioned eight out of nine to end the season. It's just very puzzling on what they're doing there in Miami. Uh, stats for Mac Jones, 20, 20 for 30, 261 yards, one TD, one interceptions. Stats for Tua, 15 of 22, 109 yards, one TD. I mean, Michael, win. came out with a win. Michael, I take the W all day. I'm not complaining, but it's like the guy threw for a buck nine, and he had oh. 45. I think he had 55 on the first drive of the game, which wasn't even on televised yet because they were showing the end of the Baltimore Pittsburgh game. So yeah. I'm just saying, here's a guy who, of course, when he went on 38 late in the game, he ran for, for 15, 20 yards, and he iced the game. He did what he had to do with his legs, but I'm not very impressed with him. Miami still has problems at that position. They got the win, but it just seems like Brian Flores, who of course got shown the door, he he seems to have a knack for beating Bill Belichick four and two over the last uh, you know over the last three seasons. So he, he seems to be he seems to know what the system's like, seeing that he coached there under Bill for many years. Like I mentioned before, my only question for the New England the New England Patriot fans and the, the diehard fans, and they you know they keep comparing Mac Jones to Tom Brady. It's been going on all season. It needs to stop. There's no more time. I keep saying this every podcast. Tom Brady's that his whole his whole persona of being a patriot is over. When he retires, will he retire a patriot? I would have to say he is. Oh God, I hope so. All right. So here's my question. And and I know that there really is no right or wrong answer here, but you know, the big question is still at the end of the day, can Bill Belichick win a Super Bowl without Tom Brady. That's gonna, that's the question all year long. Can Mac Jones and Bill Belichick win a Super Bowl with who they have? My, the answer to that is not this season. We know that. Not this season, okay? They have to bring in people to surround Mac Jones. It's just my opinion. Obviously, it's obvious. You're not going to do what Tom Brady – Tom Brady makes everybody around him better. Unfortunately, Mac Jones does not do that. Well, and of course, you mentioned Jalen Waddle from the Dolphins. They brought him in as a high draft pick to go along with Tua. Now, Tua may not be the answer, so he may not be the quarterback to deliver the ball to Waddle, but as you said, he still set a record for what, for receptions for, for a rookie. So obviously, there's there's something going on there in Miami where they've got playmakers. you got Jamar Chase in Cincinnati, a kid out of LSU. There's playmakers everywhere. New England doesn't have that guy right now. You've, no. got, the Jacoby, you've got the Jacoby Myers of the world. Kendrick Bourne had a nice season. Hunter, Hunter Henry was great in the red zone. He was a nice pickup. Jonu Smith was a total bust. So if you're asking, can they win a Super Bowl together without Tom? What, what, the book hasn't been written yet. 
you and I agree it's not going to happen this year. No. Chances are it's a one and done. We're going to look ahead to Buffalo very soon. But right now it looks like the way the team's configured, they still have hope in the future because I still believe Mac is the guy, regardless of what happens on Saturday. I think he had slumped down the stretch. Maybe he hit the rookie wall. That's what they always say everybody does. You hit the rookie wall, maybe you know, that happens. But you know that you say that? I'm, I'm thinking that maybe it's a conditioning thing. You know, everyone says our oh, 18 games, it's it's not a lot. It's it's let me I, I always say this. A true athlete, you everyone says, Oh, football, 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 18 games, they should make the season longer, they should do this, they should do that. Because everybody loves Sunday, you're with the family, you watch the football. But I don't think people get the amount of energy that goes into practices in the mindset to remember all the plays and you're running around with the pads on. It 18 games is actually longer than it used to be 14 games. Yeah, and, and, I, and, obviously, and obviously here we are on the jumps, you and I building the brand. I don't mean to correct you, but obviously it's 18 weeks, which is still the same thing, but it's 17 games. Right. But it's still your, your point is it's a grind of a season, is what you're saying. It's Plus like, the pre Plus the preseason, you're looking at it, it's a grind, it's a long season. And by the way, earlier in the season when you made a lot of mac and cheese references, which was brought up by the players around the camp at the time, there's been some knock on Mac about his, not about his conditioning, but just about his body and what it looked like coming out of college. That takes time to develop. Maybe he needed a year to hold the clipboard. But still, they still won 10, 10 games, Michael. Oh, the kid, kid was solid. He, was, he had a solid, listen. He had he a solid season. Did he have a Tom Brady season? No, it's that's over. There's no more Tom Brady seasons. No, but he he still could be considered ahead of the curve from where Brady was at that. He was definitely he's definitely ahead of the curve. I believe that in this rookie in this in, in the rookie quarterbacks, he he's definitely in the top three. Yeah, well, he killed it too. Don't forget, Trey Lance just got hot a little at the end of the year. Now Garoppolo, we keep writing him off he came back and got them to the playoffs but you got trevor lawrence who was awful he had an awful team no coach we get it yep. you got kids like you know you got other guys in there josh wilson uh zach wilson from the jets he didn't cut it this year and maybe there's a future there but he didn't do well so you look at mac mac's been the guy he outplayed fields from chicago so i'd say he was in the top two okay. I, i'd say he was the top of all of them because lance didn't play much so when the smoke cleared, Mac Jones was still the guy, and he played every game. He stayed healthy, and he led his team to the playoffs. So there's still hope, and I believe the future is bright. Well, well like I said, like, and I, and I did make this comment where he doesn't make people around him better, but maybe I have to renege on that, saying he did well with what he worked with what he had. I, I, I maybe say that maybe you're somewhere in the middle there. He needs a little. He needs a couple of playmakers. Obviously, they had a good run in attack this year with Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. Harris actually second in Patriot history with 15 touchdown carries. That's second to LeGarrette Blunt, who had 18 a few years back. So they had a running attack. They're going to really need it in Buffalo on Saturday night. It's going to be really difficult, but I still think the future is bright. And obviously, people that are excited about the team, maybe they're not excited right now because of the way they finished the season, losing three out of four. But I still think it's a good year. You're listening to the Sports Trumps on 88.1 FM WELH. Providence, you can check out all of our podcasts. They are on our Spotify link on our website. Our website is thesportschumps.com. You can email Micah Dean with any questions, concerns, or comments at thesportschumps at gmail.com. Moving on, NFL scores. We're going to do a little little segment with Dean the Dream as we do every week with the NFL scores. Dean the Dream, are you ready? I'm always ready, brother. All right, brother. We're going to start with Saturday's games. 
We'll start with the Chiefs, 28, Broncos, 24. Yeah, Michael, I got to tell you, this was an entertaining game. The uh, Broncos had nothing to play for in this one. The Chiefs, maybe a little bit of seeding, but they, they, with the Tennessee Titans winning on Sunday, it wouldn't have mattered. They weren't going to get the one seed. But this was a great game down the stretch. Denver was actually winning this game close until uh, Melvin Gordon on inside the 10-yard line gets his bell rung on a rush, gets the ball taken pretty much out of his hands and a, and a run back for 86 yards, and that was the end of that one. So Chiefs finished 12-5, and five, Broncos finished 7-10, and 10, and um, I hate to say it, but one of my paisans, Vic Fangio, was showing the door the next morning. He's out of a job. He's on the street. Uh, he got pink slipped. Nice. America's team, Dallas Cowboys, put a shellacking on the Eagles, 51-26. One of my favorite yeah, no, I don't know. Obviously, the Eagles made the playoffs at 9-8, and eight, which I was shocked. They told you that for about five weeks. But the Cowboys finished 12-5, and five, and Prescott throws five touchdowns in this game to end the season. And maybe this is just what Dallas needs going into the playoffs because they haven't been playing well down the stretch. I think, obviously, we're going to talk about the playoffs coming up, but I think they got a tough draw because in the 3-6 matchup, they're going to get the 49ers who are playing really well right now. So we'll see what happens there. Moving on to Sunday, Browns 21, Bengals 16. Yeah, I mean, this was a tough game to, you know, if, if you're a gambler, stay away from it because teams were, were resting guys left and right. Mayfield was out with shoulder surgery. So obviously Case Keenum was in there. They get the win in this one and finish eight and nine. The Bengals at 10 and seven. They won the division. They didn't want to get anybody hurt. So you didn't see Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. They rested all their top players in this game. So this game really didn't mean that it just didn't have any cachet in it. Detroit Lions 37, Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers falls to two, two the Detroit Lions. Detroit 37, yeah, again, Packers 30. Again, nothing on the line here. Soup Campbell gets his third win of the season to finish 313 and one. Absolutely pathetic. But of course, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers who's, you know, just trying to stay healthy to end the season, the potential MVP of the league this year. They lose 37-30. They finish 13-4, and four, and that's three years in a row they finished with 13 wins. So, for me, my opinion is Rodgers, it's Super Bowl or bust this year. He cannot afford to have another 13-win season, whether he's unhappy or happy in, in Green Bay. He has to win it all to be validated. Aaron Rodgers, is he in the uh, top running for your MVP? You know, it's funny, Michael, because he, he's got the number one seed and he was that good this year. I say yes, but I'm not being a ho- I'm not being a homer because of Brady. Brady had 45 touchdowns. He threw for 5,000 yards. He didn't win it. He won his division, but he's not the one seed. I'm still a Brady guy, but it, it's going to be close. I say Rodgers edges him out. Vikings 31, Bears 17. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you got, listen, I predicted this last week. Go back and listen. You got the Vikings with Mike Zimmer. They finish eight and nine. He gets the gate the next morning. And of course, I called it all season. Matt Nagy for the Bears. They finish six and eleven. Both coaches I predicted it last week would be unemployed. They're both looking for jobs. The Washington football team, 22, and the New York Giants are having a very bad week seven. Yeah, so of course you so you're right, Michael. Good. Good point. You saw the, the, the Washington football team finishes the season at seven and ten. Ron Rivera didn't have much to work with, no quarterback there. I'm sure he gets another year to figure things out there in Washington. They finished the season on a good note, beating the Giants, who finished four and thirteen. General Manager Dave Gettleman retired the other day, and of course, former Patriot special teams coach Joe Judge was showing the door yesterday morning. 
He, his tenure ends after two seasons and a 10 and 23 record. Absolutely awful. Giants are searching for answers. They need a whole reboot there. Quarterback, GM, coach, all the way across the board. Absolutely. I agree. Jaguars 26, Colts 11. Okay, so the shocker of the week, they have, you know, four weeks ago, the Colts beat the Patriots and everyone said they were a Super Bowl contender. Now they play the Jaguars on the last se- last day of the season. All they have to do is beat the lowly Jags to get in the playoffs and they can't get it done. And it wasn't close either. 26-11 the final. And of course, you know, Carson Wentz and the boys can't get the job done. They waste a wonderful season by running back Jonathan Taylor, who's a top five MVP candidate. But they go home, Frank Reich and the boys, they have to regroup, but... uh. That this one's going to stick with them for a while. It's a tough pill to swallow. Pittsburgh Steelers 16, Ravens 13. Miraculously, Ben Roethlisberger makes it to the playoffs. Thank you, Michael, because this was amazing. I, I'm watching this game, and I didn't think that they were even in the hunt. I didn't know what was going on. They had that tie earlier in the season. I didn't know if that would help them, hurt them. But they needed 8 million things to happen, and 8 million things happened. They had to come back and win the game, and then they had to watch a game at night and hope for the best and hope that the game doesn't end in a tie. Lots of things had to happen, but it happened. And uh, they're moving on to the playoffs. Big Ben, I mean, he's on, he's, he's on fumes right now, but he gets them in. I see them being one and done, but they, they got there, and uh, they end the Ravens season. Of course, without Lamar Jackson, they didn't have much of a chance. I believe they finished with six straight losses to finish the season at eight and nine. Titans 28, Texans 25. Yeah, this game, you, know, you see the score, 28-25, it looks close, but you know, Texans made a little push at the end with 15 in the fourth quarter. But, of course, the Titans, despite using 88 players during the season, losing Derrick Henry, uh, Mike Vrabel's probably the coach of the year. They are the number one seed. They clinched it in this game, and they deserve it. Saints 30, Dirty Birds, Falcons 20. Yeah, the, the Saints just played it out. They finished nine and eight, and they had to, they needed some help. And when Garoppolo brought the 49ers back, that was the all she wrote. The Saints got eliminated despite a huge game by uh, Alvin Kamara, one of his best games as a pro, lighting it up with in the backfield on the on the carries and on the catches in the backfield. Just wasn't it wasn't enough for them. Wasn't their season. They go home. They're booking tea times. Bills 27, Jets, Jets 10, going nowhere. No, Jets are going nowhere fast. Um, I, I got a Jets fan friend slash all of it. He said it was one of the one of his favorite four and thirteen seasons ever. If he can live with that, then I'm happy for him. If he's happy with four and thirteen, again, of course, he's a, he's an educated fan. He loves the coach Robert Saleh, who I think is okay, and Zach Wilson. He thinks there's a future there. They had a lot of injuries this season. He believes the future is bright. I guess we will find out. Buffalo obviously ices the division. New England lost anyway, so it was their division to take. And the Bills uh, back-to-back seasons winning the division. Patriots play them on Saturday. The galloping chicken in the in the 49ers 27, the Rams 24. Yeah, I could have sworn I told you last week that he was hurt. Lance played the game, and I thought Garoppolo's season was over with the thumb. I don't know. I can't I again, fourth quarter, we're watching him late. My brother's saying, no way he brings them back. And what did he do? He brought them back. So you got to give the guy credit. We keep writing them off. And now they go to the playoffs. They finish 10 and seven and they beat a Rams team with Matthew Stafford, who was just strictly built on winning the whole thing. They finished 12 and five, but Stafford's going to be measured on what he does in the postseason. Seahawks 38, Cardinals 30. Yeah, the Cardinals weren't playing for anything. They finished 11 and six. Of course, the Seahawks finished seven and 10 and Pete Carroll may be on the chopping block or he might just retire. 
He's in his early 70s now. And did we see Russell Wilson play his last game for Seattle? Because you're going to hear once the season's over, trade talks everywhere, Giants, Broncos, a lot of teams need quarterbacks. You're going to start hearing that discussion. Russell Wilson may have played his last game for the Seahawks. Buccaneers 41, Panthers 17. Tom Brady just – every week we say this, Tom Brady is just Tom Brady. I just don't even know what to say. We talked about it earlier. 5,000 yards, 45 touchdowns. He might come up a little short to Rodgers for MVP, but who cares? He, he Back-to-back seasons with the, with the Buccaneers. This season was actually better because they actually won the division. Last year they won the wild card, and they ended up winning the Super Bowl, so he had to go on the road three times. This year they actually will probably get a home game in there. They're going to host the Eagles on, on Saturday, I believe. That should be a cakewalk. So Brady, another wonderful season. He's throwing to practice squad guys right now. He's still got Mike Evans there, but he doesn't have much else. One of the strangest games of the year, Raiders 35, Chargers 32. Strange game. Very strange game. Oh, they had to do one thing, and they couldn't do it right. Yeah, I guess this was the game where, you know, again, everybody said that both teams can make it here. If you just, you know, take a knee and, and you know, kneel on the ball or in overtime, let's just call it a day at 32-32. But, of course, um, the, the, the coach for the, the Chargers decided, Brandon Staley decides to out-coach out himself calls a timeout for no reason. And of course, everybody's looking at each other like, are we just going to take the tie here? I don't believe in that stuff. You play the game out. If you can win the game, win the game. And the Raiders got the field goal from Carlson and they got it done. And both, you know, of course the Chargers go home and they deserve to go home. And I got to admit, after losing Chucky earlier in the season, Henry Ruggs was doing things in the car I don't want to get into. But give them credit with the Italian uh, interim coach. They go to the playoffs, Passaggia, and they deserve it. So kudos to the Raiders. The LV Raiders, they deserve it. They're going to the postseason. Chargers go home, and they deserve to go home. Before we get into the injury report, we're going to do a quick rundown of the wild card playoffs. I'm going to, I'm going to announce the teams, and Dean the Dream is going to give us his opinion. Dean the Dream, wild card. You ready? I'm ready, man. Raiders Bengals. Again, Raiders, great job getting in. Um, my only my only reservations about the Bengals is that they've been so bad for so long they may not be ready for the moment. This is a this is a home game for them. I love Joe Burrow. My heart's with Burrow. I want to see them move on. So Burrow and Chase, I think they've got enough. Raiders did a lot to get in, but I, I think you know, I would love to see New England go there and play Cincinnati. I think that was a better draw. But I'm going to take the Bengals in this one. Um, I like Burrow and, and uh, I like what he's got going there in Cincinnati. I think with the, the hand that the, the Raiders have been dealt this year, they had a lot of crazy things happen to them. And, you know, the Bengals, they, they're they very um, – the fans, they, they play for the fans. They, the people love to see those two guys play, Burrows and um, Burrow and the uh, receiver. Oh, what's the receiver's name? Yeah, Jamar Chase. He's tremendous. Yeah, two incredible, two incredible players. And, and that's what the NFL needs. But Giving what the Raiders have had to deal with this year, the losing of the coach and all the craziness that went on, and there were ups and downs. I like to see the Raiders win, but like you said, the Bengals have gone nowhere, have gone no nowhere in forever. They haven't been well, anywhere. Stick, the last well, time I, they were good is when they had Boomer. Yeah. Well, I, I like you sticking with the Raiders a little bit, and they got a little mojo going on. You picked them last week, and you asked me my thoughts. You went Raiders, I went charges in that game kind of to go against the green because I didn't want to kind of jump on the nails bandwagon so you will correct on that one so maybe the Raiders got something going on here you know me I'm just not a big Derek Carr guy I know he got them in um Josh Jacobs has been banged up Darren Waller was in COVID protocol so the, if they're healthy it's going to be a really good game I just hope it's a good game um I just I think Bengals being at home 
I, I'm, I'm going to go with them in this game. Pats, Bills. I got the Pats one and done. I know nobody wants to hear that, but that's what well, I – Obviously, we're going to give them a little more time. We're going to give them a little more run than the other teams because we're here in New England. But, um, of course, the way they've been playing the last month, I don't like the last four games. Um, I, you know, a lot of people around right now still give them a punch's chance because they don't, it's, I don't think it's so much as they believe in Bill. I just think that a lot of people don't believe in the Bills. So they believe in Bill Belichick, but they don't believe in the Buffalo Bills. Home game or not, they feel like they're just going to do what they do all the time, which is just come up short. It's going to be bad. It's going to be tough weather again. They're already saying cold, possible snow. So, you know, here we go. I can promise you one thing, Michael. They're not going to be able to go there again and have Mac Jones throw the ball three times and just pound the ball down the middle of the field. And they're not going to be able to run Damian Harrison, Stevenson, and Bolden all game. They're going to have to make plays, whether it's trickery, end the rounds, pull everything out of the out of the out of the closet. Whatever McDaniels has to do in this game, you got to do it. I think they're going to come up short. I'm with you again. I'm trying to tell myself that it's still a great season, but um, they're going to be hard pressed to come out of there with a victory. I think Josh Allen, with his legs, makes enough plays in this game. Whether it's running and, you know, obviously his ability to throw the football, I think uh, outshines Matt Jones in this one. Eagles, Tampa Bay, this is an easy pick for me. I'm going with Tampa Bay. It's yeah, like- I mean, obviously Jalen Hurts, he could run one or two in. I've got some people that think he's going to, he's going to, you know, the Tampa Bay's got a lot of injuries on defense. I don't think it's going to matter. Brady lights up the scoreboard in this one, and I think it's blowout city. And I just can't believe Philly even got in. So they have an Italian coach, too, not to play the, uh, not to play the uh, macaroni card, but it's, it's you know, I got to give them some props. You know, I got I to gotta root for my people. Sorry. Niners Cowboys. I'm going to go with the galloping chicken, seeing that he played a very well, a very great game the past, this past game. All right. Mikey Nails giving Jimmy Garoppolo punches, chance, and more than that in this one. And I'll tell you one thing, you're with everyone else this week. The way the, the, way the Cowboys played down the stretch, albeit pressed out with five touchdowns on, on Saturday night, I, I don't know. I think I'm with you on this one, Michael. I think Shanahan's got the game plan. I think he's got the play calling going. And Garoppolo, he showed me something with that Rams win. I'm with you. I, I'm jumping on the bandwagon. I, I'm taking the 49ers with you. Steelers, Chiefs. I'd love to see Big Ben just yeah. crush the Chiefs. Yeah, I'd love right. to see it. Yeah, yeah it's, not, it's, it's obviously clearly not happening. Um, you know, obviously Mahomes played great down the stretch of the season. They played well. They ended up 12 and five after being what three and four at one point. Yep. So they they really they really lit it up down the stretch. And I just think Big Ben should just be grateful that he can say that his last season he he willed his team into the playoffs. A lot of things had to go their way, but I think uh the dream is over. And I think Ben's career ends on Sunday. You don't think Ben has close. one one game left in him, maybe possibly exactly. two? No, I've seen I've listen, I've seen him do it. I'm glad you're asking me the follow over the question. And it's no, it's not happening. It's over for the Steelers. Wow. They don't have enough. Um, their best player is Najee Harris, who's dealing with an injury. He's going to play on Sunday, but he's banged up. They just don't have enough on the offensive line. And Big Ben just doesn't have the. It's remind me of Breeze last year. The you know, career's over. You can see it in the throws. He just doesn't. He's got he doesn't have enough air under the throws. Sorry. I just think that Patrick Mahomes has been very inconsistent this season. Sometimes he he has great games, or sometimes he doesn't. Uh, where where Ben? Yeah, you, you know Ben. Yeah, always, know. Big Ben always. He he's like he's like the he's like the, the blue collar cornerback. It just always works to get it done. Yes, yeah, so you see that and you take it for granted. But Mahomes earlier in the season, you were pulling him out of your top five quarterbacks. Yeah, I almost, I almost fell off the chair. 
You can say the cheers are from Jablon all you want, but I almost went down for the count. I'm just saying, Patrick Mahomes is a special player, and as long as Kelsey's healthy, oh, I'm Kelsey, not denying. I'm not denying he's a yeah. special player, but he hasn't had a great year. He hasn't had his signature yet, but you know he's had, he hasn't yet. had the play. He's had a lot of plays banged up around him, and they've still come together. Their defense with Honey Badger, Chris Jones on the line, they're starting to they're starting to really click right now. And I st- I'd still be worried about Kansas City. Big Ben doesn't have a he doesn't have a chance on Sunday. Cardinals Rams. Ooh, wow. Okay, well the Cardinals, I think it's a great story. They made it this year. DeAndre Hopkins, their best receiver, has been hurt all season. He's probably not going to be back unless they make it to the NFC Championship game. Kyla Murray got them in the playoffs. Great season for Cliff Kingsbury, showing that he's supposedly the guy that he was supposed to be when they, you know, hired him as the head coach. But um, I, I, I'm going to take the Rams, even though I do not like Matthew Stafford. I just think this team put too much in to try to win a Super Bowl. They cannot go one and done. I will take the Rams in this game. All right. Moving on, we are going to move into the injury, injury report with Dean the Dream. All right, the injury report we reported to you by, of course, myself being the dream. Um, obviously, Michael, I'm going to keep it close to the to the margins here and talk about players that are injured that, you know, obviously are still in the playoffs. So we're not going to talk about players that this season's over. Aaron Rodgers, quarterback for Green Bay, he's feeling better. That toe that's really been bothering him all year, he's going to rest. He's got the bye, so there's nothing better than having two weeks off. He's feeling pretty good, but... uh. He definitely needs the rest, and it can't can't help to have the you know can't hurt to have the buy. Um, so uh, JJ Watt, defensive end for Arizona, looks like I, I had him done for his career. Shoulder surgery looks like he's designated to return. He wants to play, um, so it's still up in the air right now. But there's a chance he could come back. I don't know how much he can give them, but we'll see what happens. Uh, Titans running back Derrick Henry, that foot injury could have played on Sunday. Didn't they didn't need him. But now they need him. The playoffs coming. So right now it's sort of like 60-40 that he comes back in this one. I believe they feel like they can win that first playoff game without him. So if we see him on Sunday, it may be limited. So a um, couple other injuries. Uh, Josh Jacobs for the for the Raiders. He's dealing with an injury. He looks like he probably will play in the, in the first playoff game back. And a few Patriot notes to go around real quick. Patriot running back Damian Harris. He's still got that nagging hamstring injury. He's been limited in practice, but he should be. be he should play on on Saturday night. Kyle Duggar, who didn't play on who didn't play on Sunday, should be playing, even though he's been limited in practice. Same thing with Adrian Phillips for the Patriots. Um, one other note, Michael, to close it out. Uh, Patriot defensive tackle uh, Christian Barmore was carted off the field in the last minute of the Miami game. A lot of people were worried about him. I'd be shocked if he plays in this playoff game on Saturday night. But the good news was after being carted off the field, you're thinking serious injury, ACL, no structural damage. MRI showed, you know, everything was clean. So it looks like Bomb was going to be okay. I just, you know, I had my reservations about whether he can help them on Saturday night. But as far as the long-term shows, it looks like Bomb was going to be okay. So that is the injury report. Week 18, we're putting a bow on it. We are moving on to the postseason. This is what it's all about. Little, we're going to pause for a little station identification. You are listening to the Sports Chumps on 88.1 FM, W-E-L-H, Providence. Moving on, college football. Georgia Bulldogs, they come up with a big win against Alabama. The, the, I, I, you know what's funny? I don't really watch college football. I, I, I read on it and stuff. I know, did you watch this game? 
I did bits and pieces. I wasn't, you know, it was, it was tough because it was kind of like early. It was six to three. There wasn't a lot of like back and forth. Not that I need to see 50 points up on the board, but it was started a little slow, but um, you know, Nick Saban, anytime Saban's, Saban's playing, you're tuning in, but uh, Georgia finally got the result that they wanted. In yeah. This one. A big pick six. It seals the school's first national title since 1980. Michael and I can remember, you know, it was a little before my time, but I do vaguely remember, of course, 19, it's been 41 years since they won a national championship. And of course, the running back on that team was the legendary Herschel Walker, who went on to win the Heisman Trophy in 1982 and was probably go down in history as one of the top five or 10 college players of all time. We all know his pro career was a little pedestrian, but still a great player all in all. And um, good for good for Georgia. Because I'll tell you one thing, I'm not a gambler, thank God. I would never, ever, ever, and still wouldn't, bet against Nick Saban. In big games like that, usually he finds a way. And I think they just ran out of gas. They didn't have healthy players. Their best receiver, the kid Meshke, who's a top 10 NFL pick coming up, he had a torn ACL. And I think they had another receiver, the kid Williams, he had a torn ACL. So they were playing with their third, fourth, and fifth wide receivers. No excuses. Georgia gets it done. They win on the big stage. And, um, it's just a nice story to see somebody new in there. My big thing with Herschel Walker was from running a straight line, you couldn't stop him. Lateral, laterally, couldn't move. Yeah, he was a powerful he was a powerful guy. He was, yeah, you're right. He up the middle and right down the gut. That was his game. You want to stop him. You want him, you want him to do a sidestep and go left or right? It's not happening. Not I happening. agree with you. I agree with you. I'll never forget that. Yeah. It's like it's like if I could do if I go do a crossover on you right now, I'm gonna I'm gonna tear my ACL. I'll never forget when, the, of course, we're jumping around talking about him in the pros, but I'll never forget at Dallas when they decided to trade the whole team and the whole draft to get him to get rid of him. And I think it was you know he went to Minnesota and Minnesota gave up the world to get him. He just wasn't. Some guys just don't translate to the next level. But I mean, the guy had the body, he had the athletic ability, the skill, and uh, of course, you know. To wait 41 years to see your team get back to the promised land, that's a, that's a lengthy wait. And, of course, to just a little history here in the last month, Georgia, this is the third time they played each other this year. Georgia beat Alabama the first time, and then Alabama came back and beat them in the uh, SEC championship game. So uh, everyone said Georgia was the team this year. And if, if you stay the course and believe it, I guess it can come true. And they did, uh, you know, we would say in college basketball, cut down the nets. But I guess in football, it's more of a confetti thing. So congratulations to Georgia winning the 2022 National Championship. It's a great story. Awesome story. Moving on to the NBA. We're going to bring up the uh, – every week it's the same thing with the Boston Celtics. We're going to talk about them a little bit. Brown and Tatum carried the Celtics over the paces Monday night with a 101-98 victory. In overtime, Jalen Brown, 26 points. Tatum, 24 points. Celtics move to 20 and 21. Yeah, you know, Michael, as, actually, as we do this show right now, of course, we'll be on ELH Thursday nights, 8 to 9. The Celtics just in a home and home with with, uh, with Indiana just won again. So, and convincingly on the road in Indiana. So, the Celtics obviously have finally looked like they've strung a few wins together after an up-and-down season where it seems like they win one, lose two, and vice versa. Their biggest winning streak so far has been three games. So here we are at the three-game mark with Philadelphia coming up on Friday, but it looks like the Celtics are starting to get a little more ball movement and they're starting to play better basketball. And Tatum and Brown look like they're starting to possibly turn the corner. Right, That's all we can hope for because we haven't seen it yet. 
we got trade rumors going on with Jalen Brown, or is it just it's a dead it's a dead issue? I, it's never dead, but I just believe that when the smoke clears, that they're not they're not going to be able to uh, to pull the trigger on anything major like that. You keep hearing Marcus Smart's name. They're not going to trade Tatum. If anybody were to go in a huge deal, it would be Jalen Brown. But I, from what I hear from people, from what I hear, Michael, from people, it looks like the Celtics won. They, they've sent out feelers all around the league to different teams saying, basically, Tatum and Brown right now, we're not looking to trade them. So we're looking to add to them. So that doesn't mean teams are just going to, like, just roll someone to them. But they're letting you know that, like, right now, unless you overwhelm me, we're not going to trade Jalen Brown unless it's a beautiful package that can really make our team better. So don't expect to see Jalen Brown traded at the deadline. Look for, look for guys like Dennis Schroeder, maybe Josh Richardson, even an Al Horford for a salary dump. Other than that, I don't see big, big moves from the Celtics here. I think they're just going to keep riding it out with this roster. So the nucleus of the Boston Celtics is Jalen Brown and Tatum. Basically, they're going Obviously. to around them. Well, you know, when everybody keeps saying that they have a talent deficiency the last year or two, and I can see that because you had, three years ago you had Kyrie. You had Gordon Hayward, who I know you think is overrated, and I agree. But they had real proven guys. Now, of course, you're relying on guys like Robert Williams and Grant Williams and, you know, Romeo Lankford off the bench. So it's definitely a different ball club. But, of course, the nucleus of Brown and Tatum looks like it's going to stick, at least for the time being. Gordon Hayward, when he steps off the curb, he twists an ankle. He he walks off the curb, he twists an ankle. I agree with you. It looks like when he's trying to beat someone off the dribble, he's going to pop a tire. I don't know what's going on over there. But it's just it's the way he plays. And obviously, it seems like some of these games they've made more difficult than they have to. To beat Indiana in overtime the other night, they exhausted all their energy to do it. But then they come back, obviously, on Wednesday night, and they, they blow Indiana out in Indiana. So at least they're just starting to beat some of the bad teams after last week, splitting with the New York Knickerbockers on a three by R.J. Barrett at the buzzer, losing by three. After they were up 25, and I text you when the Celtics were up 65 to 42, yeah. and they, they went out to lose. So something's still not right there. I'm not going to get excited about three straight wins, but it looks like they're starting to at least share the basketball a little bit more because Brown and Tatum look like they're starting to play off each other a little bit better. Biggest talk of the NBA is Clay Thompson. I mean, the kid, he missed 941 days. Came back, finally played against the Cleveland Cavaliers, had 17 points in 20 minutes. And one thing you don't really see from him are dunks, and he had a great, great dunk. For quick first step, he was very energized, came down, came down the middle of the lane and just threw it down. Get out of my way. I'm, I'm here. I'm here to stay. I mean, I, I, you know, over the last 10 years, I've watched plenty of late games with Golden State on the West Coast and have enjoyed every minute of watching Curry with the crossover and Clay curling off picks, double picks, hitting yeah. threes. I just couldn't believe the other night he crossed over, blew a guy off the dribble and threw it down. I mean, great that he's six foot six, but it was just nice to see it. I think that was his way of saying, I'm not going to come back and just be marginal. I'm back. So I say, you may give me 20 minutes, Steve Kerr, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some damage while I'm in there. I'm back. And I think Thompson point, exclamation point. Yeah. And Michael, they said he could have came back maybe three weeks ago, whatever. I don't think he wanted to come back and just kind of feel his way through. I think he said, when I come back, you're not bringing me off the bench. He came back, he started, he's the guy. He doesn't want to be a complimentary player. He's, he's a Hall of Famer and he wants to be back there. He knows they have a good chance now, seeing that they were, you know, one or two in the conference all year without him. He knows that he's like, it's like making a trade at the All Star break. You bring Clay Thompson back. After what you said, 941 days, you're bringing back a special player. And I think it's going to make a huge difference. And I got to be honest with you, 
you just you have to love the story. I just think it's great for the league. It's great for Clay. He's worked really hard to come back from two ACL injuries. Well, let's face it: the Golden State Warriors are the league. They they are the league right now. I hate to say that, but if you have Celtics, if the Celtics are on and they're playing the Indiana Pacers, and you've got Golden State on, they can be playing any team. Who are you watching? I know we're Celtics fans, but who are we watching? Even me as a diehard Celtic fan my whole life, and obviously you're more in the bird era, I think we're both looking to see what Curry watching and Thompson the brothers. Uh, No, listen, Mark Jackson said it years ago before Kerr got the job. He said, I got the two best the two best shooting combo, the best shooting combo of all time right here. And he was right, and that was seven, eight years ago. So um, it's, a, it's a great story to see him back healthy. Let's hope he stays healthy. And if it means that they come back and win another NBA championship, I'm okay with it. Because I was one of those guys five years ago saying, I'm tired of seeing Golden State and Cleveland every year, but I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, moving on, a little uh, PC Fryer talk. Um, there was a game last night against Creighton. It was canceled due to COVID. We're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Ed Cooley getting his 300th win. It's a career milestone. I know I'm not a – you know I'm not a big Ed Cooley fan. I still don't think he's he, – he is the right fit for the Providence College Friars. He's the hometown favorite. But I do want to congratulate him on his 300th victory. Yeah, Michael, I think it's nice and well put by you. Um, it's Listen, it's been a long time coming. Like I said, coming through the ranks, playing at Central, being on, you know, Al Skinner's staff at URI, he bounced around a little bit, Boston College, and then now he gets a job, and I believe it was Fairfield for a few years, comes to Providence in his 11th season at Providence, having one of his best seasons. They're 14-2, and 4-1 and one in the Big East, and of course, that 300th win was a huge, huge bounce back win against St. John's. Not going to jump on the fact that you crushed him and said if he loses, the season was over. But he, you, you've owned it and given him his credit. It was a nice win by the Friars, and it was a team effort. Again, we're going to try to stay away from the negative talking about the COVID issue because a year and a half into this whole thing, PC has had no COVID issues. So let's hope it's a small, isolated incident and they can get back out there and play UConn on Saturday. But um, they're still ranked 23rd in the country in the two polls, 23 and 20, and the coaches in AP polls. So... PC is still right now a great story, and Ed Cooley's still riding high right now. Nate Watson, 22 points, 11 rebounds against St. John's. Kids are really good talent there. Yeah, he played well, Michael. And I told you he had hit a little bit of a wall, but his last two games, he averaged 15 points and nine and a half rebounds. And of course, I mentioned it last week on the show that PC was going to have to throw lots of different defenses against the kid Julian Champagny from, from St. John's. And it looked like they did throw some bodies at him for the most part. It was the transfer from South Carolina. Justin Manaya played 40 minutes. He held Champagne to like, I think, 12 points on 0 of 8 from the three-point line. So he put up the goose egg from long range. This is the kid that's got NBA ability. So PC definitely had a good game plan. They did what they had to do. They continue to play without A.J. Reeves with the broken finger. So let's hope that obviously he can get through this whole little COVID break and get back to playing basketball again. It's nice to see uh, – the local squad ranked in the top 25. It's good stuff. Again, congratulations to Ed Cooley. Uh, 300th victory. Congratulations, Ed. Moving on, NHL. Bruins with a big win Monday against the Capitals. 7-3 victory. In the last 10 games, they went 7-3. It looks like they're starting to turn the corner a little bit. Yeah, no, Michael, I agree with you. And it's obviously, let's hope that there's no distractions here because it's starting to play well right now. 
and you have, you got this little uh, this little back and forth goalie thing with the kid uh, Linus Olmark, who they signed for a four-year, twenty million dollar deal in the offseason. He beats the Capitals the other night. He's going to continue to play as they play Montreal uh, Wednesday night. So obviously the problem is they have to send Jeremy Swayman down, the kid that you know I love, the rookie. So they had to send Swayman down because now Tuka Rask decides to come back at 34 years of age, coming off surgery, and they give Rask a, a, a one-year deal for a million dollars prorated. So he's going to get about five hundred and forty-five thousand. But um, my concern is, you know, the chemistry starting to get, you know, starting to click now in this team. I don't know what Rask does for them because I just feel like they've, they've got a little bit of an overload at, at the goaltender position. No, I heard. See, I heard differently with 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 Rask. I heard he signed a 10-day deal with the – I might have read that wrong – a 10-day deal with the Providence Bruins, and then after that 10-day deal was up, he was going to go to Boston. Okay, so obviously you probably heard right. I didn't hear that, but I think that already happened. So he was down there for 10 days playing for the P. Bruins. I think he just more like – it would be the equivalent of an, MB, an M, uh, MLB player or pitcher going down to Pawtucket on a rehab assignment or now Worcester. So I think he went down. He started with, with, the, with the P. Bruins – played maybe a week or 10 days down there, and now he's being activated. I believe he's in uniform tonight to back up Allmark, and I believe he's going to start tomorrow night between the pipes against the Philadelphia Flyers. So Tuka Rask is back, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. Maybe he's got something to prove because he let the team down in the bubble two years ago, and then last year he said he was hurt. So if he's healthy, he's obviously still a talented goal. He's probably the winning. He's got the best winning percentage in the history of the Boston Bruins. So we'll see how it plays out. The team is starting to click. As you mentioned, seven to in the last 10 games, they're starting to come around now. David Pasternak on that second line now has 13 goals after I said he had nine a week ago. So he's starting to hit the net a little bit more. He's on that line with Taylor Hall. So they're starting to click. Brad Marchand leads the team, obviously, all the way around with 16 goals and 20 assists for 36 points. So hopefully they can keep things going. They're 19-11-2 overall. There's still a lot of hope left in the season. They just they just got to start scoring more. And lately, it seems like they've been they've been having some of those explosive games because against the Capitals the other night, they were down two donut right off the bat. So they end up winning seven three. So they turn things around. Starting to see a little bit of uh, I think Cassidy's got the team going in the right direction. That's a wrap for the NHL. A little MLB Major League Baseball talk. John Lester announces retirement after 16 seasons and three World Series. Titles and a battle with cancer in which he defeated cancer. Michael, great story. It happened in 2006 as a rookie with the Red Sox. He had cancer. He came back from it and came back in 2007 and pitched game four of the World Series versus the Colorado Rockies, throwing, I believe, five and two thirds innings, getting the win in game four of the World Series. So it's a great story here. Um, 16 years. He retires at the age of 38. Definitely the right time for him. He definitely had lost his, you know, his desire to keep going, plus, you know, lost a little bit of a little zip off the fastball. But uh, you look at the resume nails, and you got three World Series championships, 2007 and 13 with the Boston Red Sox, and, of course, helping the Chicago Cubs break a 108-year curse by winning the World Series in 2016. So Lester has always lived up to the billing. After he signed that $136 million deal with the Cubs, he earned every penny of it. Finishes his career with exactly 200 wins, and more impressively, Michael, here's where I look Hall of Fame. 2.51 career in the postseason. It seemed like on the biggest stage, John Lester always seemed to answer the bell. I think he's a clutch guy. And um, I don't know. In my eyes, I know 200 wins. You know, they always look at 300. But uh, 
he's a Hall of Famer in my eyes. He'll make it. He's going to make it. He deserves you to know, make it. Listen, his, his biggest battle, he's a great, tremendous pitcher, Hall of Fame pitcher, but his biggest battle of all time was with cancer. No, it's it's a great story. I'm glad you brought it up. It's 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 just a it's a hot warming story that he beat it. He's healthy and God bless him that he can walk away on his terms. He was quoted as saying basically, I don't want anybody to pull the jersey from me. When it's time for me to leave, I want to be able to say I'm done. And I believe he felt and you know what funny thing was, I told you last year I thought he was done. Then he got traded to the Cardinals and he sort of helped them make the wild card. He, he had some good starts down the stretch. So yeah. he actually went out on a good note. So he was always either in the hunt for a championship. Or he was in the postseason almost every year on the teams he was on. Of course, most of his career with Boston goes on, gets traded to Oakland in 2014, signs that huge deal with with uh, with the Cubs, Nationals, and then finishes out with the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, one nugget before we move on, Michael, when you're talking about Hall of Fame, I just want to mention there's there's um, nine left-handed pitchers, okay, that have the um, he's he, he's one of these guys that has a 200 wins a 600 winning percentage career and less than a four ERA. So wow. out of these nine guys, six of them are in the hall of fame. Okay. He not eligible yet. And one of the other guys is CC Sabathia from the late of the New York Yankees. He's not eligible for the hall of fame yet. So I guess the, the theme of this is chances are for lefties, that's sort of the benchmark there for hall of fame. So most of those guys got in. I got a feeling that maybe it won't be on the first ballot, but John Lester, he could be in Cooperstown one day. He deserves to be there. You are listening and to by the way, Mike, Go by, ahead. by the way, Michael, one more nugget. He threw a no-hitter for the Red Sox in 08. Part of the trivia question when I mentioned you asked me about I don't know 20 episodes ago on the, the trivia from one of your buddies about the whole uh how oh, many, yeah. many no yeah, how many no-hitters did Veritech catch? Lester was one of them. So Lester was one of the one of the no-hitters that Jason Veritech caught. So I know we, we got we're up against it a little bit here. You're listening to the Sports Chomp sign 88.1 FM W E L H. Providence, you can catch all of our podcasts, which are on our website, thesportschumps.com. On our website, we have the Spotify link. Just click the link and all of our podcasts are there. All of our social media websites are on there, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Just friend request us and we will accept you. Any questions, concerns, or comments, you can email Micah Dean at thesportschumps at gmail.com. Moving on, one of our favorite segments of the show Chump of the week. The chump, actually, it's the chumps of the week this week. And uh, the suggestion was made to me by Dean the Dream. It is the Miami Dolphins organization is the chump of the week for firing Brian Flores on Monday after having back-to-back winning seasons. Yeah, I mean, this one really, I'm perplexed by this one, Michael, because I've done a lot of little homework on this, and I knew a little bit of the history. Brian Flores was brought over there three seasons ago by the ownership in the GM, Chris Greer, who obviously had ties to New England. He was under the, he was, he was on the, he was in their front office for years. His dad, Bobby Greer, was the GM of the Patriots way back in the day. So there's all sorts of Patriot Dolphins connections here. So Greer, he brought Flores in. Now I'm hearing that Flores was let go because there was a power struggle. So, it's, you know, obviously, you know, with the whole thing, Brian Flores only got three years there. It's easy for a lot of people to stop playing a race card. It doesn't sound like that's the problem here. Although I think Flores is a good bit, good football guy. And, um, you know, if you want to look at the negatives, Michael, 24 and 25 in three seasons and no playoff appearances. So there's the negative. 
but he was 4-2 and two against Bill Belichick and the Patriots, obviously being in the system at New England. Obviously, it seems like he knew how to beat New England. But, um, I, I mean, you're looking at a team, you saw them on Sunday, win or loss, win or lose. They, they still don't really have a quarterback. Their roster's okay. I don't know how much power he had there to pick the players, whether it's Greer's fault or his fault. But um, it looks like they pulled the trigger a little quick on this one. Um, and believe me, his, his, his phone's going to be ringing. And actually, I'm sorry, Michael, it's already ringing because I think the Bears have been calling for him already. So he's not going to be unemployed for, for very long. I think it was a terrible move by Greer and the owner, Stephen Ross, who I guess is uh, an 81-year-old real estate developer. He should just stick to buying property. Uh, I believe there's some hidden agenda there. Just a little tidbit for, uh, for you and for our listeners out there. Miami's last playoff win was just over 21 years ago. Oh, wow. Wow. Think about that. Again, Michael, again, I know you said eight out of nine, but, you know, he still had that 17 losing streak. There's a lot that would happen. I think their first year in 19, they were so bad. And, of course, you're going to be bad the first year. But it looked like they were saying that he was purposely tanking games. There's a lot of stuff, like you said, hidden agendas, things we don't know about. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I'm glad that we're not hearing about the race card because, you know, I, I've heard a couple of guys on ESPN that started to play that card, and I just don't want to hear that. He, you know, because Joe Judge got fired today after two seasons, so it doesn't matter what the color of your skin is. You either get the job done or you don't. They bring someone else in. Do I think Flores deserved to get fired? No. I think he's a good coach, and not, not because he was with the Patriots, but uh, – it's tough, and I think he'll obviously he's gonna he's not gonna be on he's not gonna be unemployed for very long. Speaking about the Miami Dolphins, this day in sports history is actually on the Miami Dolphins. Nice segue, Nails. Power move on your part. Late innings here on the Chumps, episode thirty. Dreaming Nails getting it done. We're up against it. January thirteenth, nineteen seventy four. This day in history, Miami Dolphins. They win their second straight Super Bowl in their third straight Super Bowl appearance. Everybody knows about the perfect season with the boys and Greasy and Schuler and Zonker and all of them. But this is the third straight appearance. They win 24-7 over Minnesota. And Larry Zonka, the aforementioned Larry Zonka, he's the MVP of this game with 145 yards on 33 carries and a touchdown in this game. So, of course, the Minnesota Vikings, the poor Vikings, they're sort of like the 90s version of the Buffalo Bills. They lost four Super Bowls, not four straight seasons, I don't believe, but they lost four Super Bowls in the 70s. So, Thurman uh, Thomas? Thurman Thomas was part of the Buffalo team. Yeah. Ahmad Rashad was part of the Minnesota Vikings team. Jim Kelly? So it was just a lot of disappointment everywhere on that one, Michael. But as far as on the Miami end, Bob Greasy led his team to the Super Bowl, back-to-back titles. And, of course, I mentioned this to you earlier. Um, when you think about January 13th, you're saying to yourself, wow, the Super Bowl is played now on like February 3rd, 4th, whatever. And, you, and of course, you mentioned that you nipped it in the bud and said, hey, they didn't play 16 games or 17 games back then. You're thinking about a 14-game season, so the Super Bowl was mid-January. So January 13th, 1974, Dolphins win back-to-back Super Bowls. And, um, oh, by the way, Michael, you were just talking about their futility with playoff wins. They haven't won a Super Bowl since then. It's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? It's a, you know, that's why you got to take it when you can get it because you never know when it's going to come down the pike again. But Larry Zonko, a legend, he went on to finish his career with the New York Giants. Of course, he was part of that bad team with the Giants where uh, Joe Pasachik botched the handoff to him and Herm Edwards ran it back. But uh, anyways, good stuff here. January 13, 1974, Dolphins back-to-back Super Bowls and Zonka MVP. All right, that's a wrap. 
for the Sports Chumps episode 30. My name is Mikey Nails. I'm Dana Dream, and you've been listening to the Sports Chumps on 88.1 FM, WELH Providence. Enjoy the rest of your week, everybody. We'll see you next week. Yeah.